to Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Captain, beam me up. Hello and welcome to Pot Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Andrea. And I'm Oshin. Today we're discussing the 10th episode, Cold Front. Archer invites a group of Stargazers. What is up with that word? That shouldn't <laughs> exist. Uh, aboard, not realizing that he's Soliban nemesis Selik is among them, and the captain soon realizes that Selik has a pernicious plan to change the course <laughs> of history. I don't know what that word means. I don't know either. Do you want you have you want to take that again? Or oh no, that's good enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying. Um. So also. You have mentioned and have spent almost an hour organizing your notes. Anyone that has watched this episode for the first time may have the same amount of notes that you have. Yeah. It's a big episode. So you're going to lead this episode, even though I just introduced it. And I'm probably not going to be able to respond to anything. <laughs> no, no. Even though you'll know all the answers or maybe, maybe you've forgotten some of them. Yeah. This is spoiler-free from this episode onwards. Obviously, not this, to this episode. So I'm not going to... If I remember things, I'm not going to say them. Okay. Can I just first ask, when you were... you? Oh, no. You didn't watch this on Netflix. Never mind. I was going to ask if you got a previously. Because I didn't get a previously on Netflix. And I was very upset about that. I really would have liked a previously on this episode. Because this is episode 10. And the last time we heard of the Temporal War was 10 episodes ago and i've <laughs> forgotten i previously would have been really handy i mean you you hadn't forgotten but you forgot what happened with the soliban probably i remembered vaguely the gist of it and what happened but i couldn't remember what they wanted with the klingon so i had to go and look that up again retrospectively but yeah that's just my first note is that i would have liked it previously that would have been helpful the synopsis that you read out there i think that's the netflix one that's the netflix one that's the one that if you look it up on google it, that's the one that comes up i'm sure the netflix one is just as vague because obviously they don't want to spoil the episode before you've watched it but i have done up my own synopsis of what this episode involved because i needed to lay it out in my head okay go ahead first of all silic has infiltrated this alien race mm. presumably months in advance because they know that the enterprise is going to show up at this stellar nursery and invite that race aboard they're fighting a temporal war so he has information from the future mm -hmm. and then once aboard the ship he has sabotaged enterprise in order to save enterprise mm -hmm. meanwhile a crew member on enterprise daniels reveals to Archer that he too is from the future, but further in the future. And it is 
his mission to protect the timeline, but he doesn't say whether Silic's actions to save Enterprise disrupted the timeline or not. And we're left kind of in the dark on who are the good guys and bad guys here. Yes, basically that is the episode. So I have a lot of questions because time travel is just confusing. Yeah. And so (laughs) the issue with fighting a temporal war, as I tried to get into in the first episode, but couldn't really articulate my thoughts. But now that I have this episode, I have more information to go on. So Silic is saying that he's from 900 years in the future. No, Daniels is from 900 years. Sorry, Daniels is from 900 years in the future. And Silic is fighting with information 200 years in the future or 300, I think. Yeah. Two or 300. Yeah, a couple centuries less than, than, than Daniels. So my primary question is, is Daniels and his group or whatever they call themselves. And I know you're not going to be able to answer this, but I just need to put this out there. Are they fighting this temporal war based on the actions that have already been taken by Silic and his cabal? Because, you see, this is the thing, because if you change time, the future changes. But if you're in the future, you don't know that it's changed. You're just suddenly, you don't know if it's changed. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. If I went back to kill Hitler, I would kill Hitler. But then the me in the future wouldn't know that Hitler existed. So they would never go back to kill Hitler. And that's the Hitler paradox. Exactly. Because that was one of the other questions I had is that how does Daniels and his group, because time travel has been done in Star Trek before. Mm -hmm. And one of the key instances is obviously the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. In which Nero, is it, goes back and destroys what's Vulcan planet called? I think he goes through a wormhole. Yeah. That takes him to another time, creating another timeline. But that timeline was already different. No, but it was different because he went back. No. Because Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, because the Spock comes back as well, and he's the Spock that lived through the original timeline. Yeah. So, Silic is creating new timelines. Yeah, everybody that leaves their timeline is creating a new timeline. Everybody. Yeah. There's a timeline where Silic creates a new timeline, but there's no Daniels, and then there's another timeline where Silic went back, and then there's a Daniels. Yeah, it's so confusing and. In asking the question, I think I'm basically just going to have to put these questions aside and just go with it because otherwise I'd just die of confusion. Honestly, I think this is just great content for when we start getting answers for you to insert your own questions into future episodes. I do like this kind of stuff. There's been shows that have done this in the past. I don't know if you've seen them. There's one on Netflix that was called Travelers, which was about people from the future coming back they're from a dystopian future and they're being sent back to change little tiny things. It sounds familiar. And they keep getting messages from the future like, okay, this change worked, now you have to do this. You know, it's a long process, but it's good. And then there's also an American one called Timeless. Yeah, that one I watched. I think what's interesting about the comparison, why I bring it up, is because those shows, the time travel was the thrust of those shows. And so every episode was about a different instance of either changing something in the past or going back in time. Whereas Star Trek is obviously, yeah, it's the overarching story, but we're really only going to cover it 
you know, maybe three episodes per season or four episodes per season. And then aside from that, we're kind of just going to forget about it. <laughs> and that was one of the things that I bumped up against in this episode because it didn't occur to me that Archer would not have told Paul or Trip about the temporal war that he was told about in Broken Bow. But he goes to tell them there and they're very skeptical about the whole thing. And I was thinking, how has he not told them about this? I can maybe understand why he wouldn't tell to Paul because maybe he didn't trust her yet. But Trip is his commander and also his best friend. Yeah, I'm trying to go back to the first episode to see if maybe they told him to shut up. I don't know. Like maybe they said, don't tell anyone. And honestly, if I was faced with someone from the future, I probably would shut up if they told me to shut up because what else can they do? <laughs> you know, if they can travel back in time. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to fuck up their spirits on their first adventure out in space. Mm -hmm. Or because it was successful and they rescued the Klingon, he just didn't think twice about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I think it's interesting. And then also that leads into the end of the episode where they conclude, okay, well, there's a temporal war, but we can't do anything about it. So let's just continue on our mission. I'll send a report back <laughs> about, you know, a temporal war. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know what they can do exactly. I think they did as much as they could do. Yeah, because they don't have time travel. So they can't yeah. fight a temporal war without time travel. <laughs> they can help them when they're in the same timeline. Yeah. Or they can help whoever they think is right. Because we don't know who's right. Because in this episode where made to believe that Daniels is the good guy until Zilic is like, you believe Daniels and what he told you. Yeah. So we don't know who's in the right. So they don't know who's in the right. They're just doing what feels right for them. What else can you do? You help a time traveler and then you have to go on with your life. That's the whole point of Doctor Who. Yeah, I just want more answers now and I know I'm not going to get them till probably the end of the season, if any. Possibly the end of the whole series. Can you remember when you watched this episode? Were you as frustrated as I am? Probably, but it didn't last as long because I was binge-watching it. Okay. For me, it was literally a matter of this episode ended and the next one started. But I was confused and I, di I didn't trust Daniels completely, but I think it was something with the actor. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think they did well and I think maybe they did it purposely by yeah, casting probably. someone who has... No offense intended, but he's a suspicious looking guy yeah. <laughs> and he does well at acting suspicious as well. Yeah. Great actor. Great actor. Well done. And a question then as well. Obviously, this is your fourth rewatch. Yep. And with a lot of these time travel shows or films that feature time travel, often uh, rewatch benefits in terms of you're noticing things that they set up that you wouldn't have noticed before because you didn't know the full picture. Is that happening with you on this? Or has that happened with you? The thing is, I have forgotten so much of it. Great. But when I saw the title of the episode, I knew what episode this was. I didn't remember everything, but I remembered the gist of it. So it started to form again in my mind. And I'm sure that as I watch, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So if that is going to happen, now this makes more sense. So I'm sure that that will happen to me with this show, with this over arc yeah. of the of the season. I don't want to say if it's one season or more. <laughs> no, don't. Speaking of Daniels, yep. 
I want to get back to the overall time travel thing because I think it's really interesting that Daniels has obviously been on this ship the entire time. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I had was because he's from the future, he knows what's going to happen. So he knew Silic was aboard, but he didn't know that Silic was going to sabotage Enterprise and save it, which leads me to believe that maybe Enterprise was intended to have been destroyed or severely damaged. I'm hoping they'll answer this, but I hope there's a reason why he didn't go to Archer sooner and say to him, I'm from the future, I'm here to help. I think it's interesting that he waited till after this presumably timeline-altering event. Yeah. Um, you can't really say anything. I can see no, in your face. You're I'm like, trying eh. to... <laughs> I'm trying to... Um... Because when I rewatched it now, it reminded me a little bit of the TVA from Loki. I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I have so many questions about them as well. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. But for anyone that hasn't watched Loki, they are like timeline police. And if something happens outside of the timeline that shouldn't happen, or someone travels back and tries to fuck, fuck shit up, they go back and fix the timelines. And it's kind of what Daniels is doing. And in that respect, I think if a TVA agent had to go back and infiltrate something or somewhere or someplace or some crew, I don't think that they would right away give out that they are a TVA agent. He says in this episode that he doesn't know concrete things when Trip asks him how many miles or whatever they're going to travel the next day. And he probably knew that something with the Enterprise was going to happen, but he didn't know exactly when or what. Or maybe he knew that the Sullivan were involved, because that's who the war is against, I'm assuming. I don't remember if there are more factions in this war. But if he knew that something was going to happen with the Enterprise, he probably went back and was like, okay, so I'm just going to be here for the whole mission in case they need me at any point. And this was when they needed him, presumably, because he did not save Enterprise. Uh, Silic did. So I understand him not giving his identity away to the captain, even though the captain knew about it from the first episode and would have probably been safe to come out to him as a time agent. And also, I think of Doctor Who and his fixed points in time. So yeah, I also thought now maybe Enterprise was supposed to go down and maybe the point of the Temporal War was that the development of Starfleet was pushed back because Enterprise is their first official big launch and if it failed, maybe they would consider going back and restudying and restarting the whole mission. But I don't remember. I don't remember. And what I remember, I don't want to say. So... Yeah, and you're right. And in fairness to Daniel, he does say that he and his organization are there to observe rather than interfere. So perhaps he was only allowed to interfere once Silic and his cabal did first. But boy, once that line had been crossed, he wasn't worried about what cultural contamination was he. <laughs> like he said to Archer, okay, but the fewer people you tell, the better. And then he just goes and flashes his future technology in front of Trip and Paul walking through walls. And everybody on engineering because they weren't alone. There were more engineers around. Yeah. 
And then obviously Archer does it in front of Reed and his two security guys as well. But I think it was interesting. So close after the episode where we had the cultural contamination. And then this guy comes along and is just... Yeah, I can walk through walls, by the way. I can dematerialize myself. Yeah. I wanted to point out as well, I noticed this, and I think it's going to be relevant. And I was also just a bit shocked. He exploded. He didn't die or collapse. He exploded in shards of blue light. And I was thinking that maybe he wasn't even back in time. Maybe it was some sort of holographic projection. I don't know. That's a theory that I have. And you're making a face. You're not going to say anything. And that's fine. But I thought it was very unusual that he exploded. I'm even talking because Andrea is just taking a picture of her cat V sleeping on her chair, which is a nice segue away from the main point of the episode to talking about Mayweather sitting in the captain's chair. Yes. And I noticed something about myself in this moment because at first when it happened, I was thinking, there's no need to sit in the chair. I wasn't angry or upset about it, but I was like, just wait, you'll get there eventually. There's no need to sit. It's just a chair as well. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to feel a chair? But then as soon as Reed came back into the room with a stick up his butt, giving them all dirty looks, I was like, no, Mayweather, you sit in that chair. <laughs> <laughs> your hatred for Reed changed your mind. Yeah. I don't, bec- I don't like agreeing with Reed. I don't think Reed was thinking that. I think everybody has done that. If the bridge is empty, I would sit on the captain's chair and pretend that I was captain. Yeah. I mean, I would be captain. Of course. I enjoyed the moments between Hoshi and Mayweather that we got in this episode. They gave us a bit of insight into the crew's social life. They have a movie night, which is exciting. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. They get on. I was thinking maybe, is there going to be a romance between them down the line? I don't know. I wouldn't object to that, but I'm not looking at your face. I'm not looking at you. (laughs) But yeah, I enjoyed that stuff. And, but yeah, obviously Reed was a massive bell end again this week. Yep. He's just got no personality. Every episode we say this, and I feel like it's going to get tiresome, but I just think it needs to be reiterated every time. Yeah, not yet. Reed has no personality. When Archer first brings the people into the ship, he's like, don't take them into the armory. Don't show them our weapons. Which is smart. Technically, it is smart. But, like, can you not talk about anything else, bro? Yeah, he is right. Obviously, don't bring strange aliens into your armory. But there's no need to act like a teenage boy about it, protecting your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. it's It was... Uh... I mean, if this was the first instance that he was mentioning the armory or any other thing... Sure, but he mentions weapons out of context every episode. Oh, you yeah. met a new alien species. Do they have weapons? Don't bring them into the armory. What are their weapons like? I also have serious questions about his competency because yet again, the targeting system is broken this episode, which is why he has to leave and check it when Mayweather sits on the chair. I think that was just the point to make Mayweather sit on the chair. Yeah, they just needed to get him out of the room. Yeah. But they picked a reason that had come up before in the show. Yeah, they could have just been like, uh, someone requests your advice or something. Like, can you come here, please? 
my last Reed bashing point, and then we can move on to something else, is that if Reed had access to time travel, he would 100% be in Silix Cabal and trying to change the past. Yeah. He would go to the height of British imperialism and change whatever made it fall. Yeah. He would go to your house personally to keep you a slave of the British. <laughs> yeah, he'd kill all the great leaders of rebellions against Britain. George yeah. Washington, Gandhi, Michael Collins. They're all dead. Reed would just kill them all. <laughs> you know, he'd make it so that in the future, Starfleet would be a, a, a British, British. A British, yeah. yeah. Not, and then there'd be one American trigger-happy security officer. Yeah, the American would be the armorer and it would finally make sense. Yeah, and... Enterprise's mission of exploration would be a mission of colonization. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's just rebashing corner uh of the episode done. <laughs> Moving uh, on. Our, our weekly segment of hating on the British man. Yeah, exactly. Do you have anything you wanted to, to say? So I did want to talk about and this is just another question that I have for you. What are your thoughts on Archer this episode? Because he brought a bunch of aliens that they don't know, and they don't know if they're like Klingons and like violence and ransacking things into the ship without previous identification, mm -hmm. which it's a diplomatic thing this time. You can see that he's trying to form cordial and friendship laces with other species. But how smart do you think it is to bring a bunch of people you don't know into your ship when no one is there to help you in case something goes wrong? Because Starfleet won't be able to help. Um, I think that if any other Star Trek captain had done it, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. But there's there's just something about Archer and the way he composes himself and acts with other races that I can't get on board with. He just comes across as very kind of condescending to alien races. And I don't know if they've done this on purpose, but, and I don't know also if it's me because I was thinking this, I'm an introvert and therefore introducing myself to strangers and strange aliens that's not something I do. I don't go up to people and be you like... You don't go out to ships and be like, I'm a human from Earth. This is how we say hello. Yeah, so I don't know if that feeds into this, but Archer just strikes me as very forward. Yeah. He's the captain of a ship. Yeah, but <laughs> I know, and I know, I know. Kirk is the same way. But I don't remember having these feelings about Kirk. I've seen maybe... 10 episodes of Kirk. But yeah, and you've seen the newer, the Kelvin movies. Chris Pine is definitely not an introvert. Yeah, but those movies are, they're action movies. They're not meeting new cultures movies. The first movie, they meet the Romulans. Okay, well, you see, I'm not aware of these. I'm not aware of the timelines. And but when... it's not even meeting new people. Kirk is obviously going to act the exact same way in this episode. If he would have been Kirk or Pike. I don't think he would. I think he would. I don't know about Picard, because I don't know him. 
I feel like Picard wouldn't have been this open and inviting. That's the impression that I have of him. I don't know him. I just think, and like again, maybe it's because this is Starfleet's first mission of this kind. But he's just—he just feels like he's always trying to show off. He's proud. He's very proud, and I suppose that's understandable. He's the first captain leading this kind of mission, so I guess it makes sense. But he comes across as very proud and wanting to show off his ship, even though his ship is not as advanced as the other ships they're encountering because they're encountering species that have been traveling space for longer than humans. So you may have a bias, but I also have a bias because I finished the show. And yeah, Archer is not a character that I personally dislike. He's not my favorite captain, obviously, but I don't dislike him. But I don't think he was showing off like, oh, look at this technology we have. Because obviously when Trip is explaining how the warp reactor works, the aliens knew about it. So that that was something that I wanted to criticize because... I don't know why Trip assumes these aliens don't know what warp technology is when they meet them. Because in- they've been traveling for like however many months. But it's a pilgrimage. Yeah, so their pilgrimage is not at warp speed. Yeah, I know. If that was me and I'm aware that these aliens are on a pilgrimage, I'm probably going to make the connection that, okay, they're religious. They probably don't want to take a shortcut on their pilgrimage because the whole point of a pilgrimage is you're doing a journey. The journey is the pilgrimage. That's part of the sacrifice or the ritual that you're doing. This may be because I'm an atheist, but I don't agree. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, I'm an agnostic, but I'm saying if you are religious and that's why you go on a pilgrimage, the journey is part of the pilgrimage. That's the pilgrimage. It's not just the destination. I it's don't about know. the journey. But also, assuming they meet these aliens who don't have warp, doesn't that bring into question Vulcan protocol of interacting with species who don't have warp yet? Maybe because they're already in space? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They were on space, even if it's not warp. But I don't know, because humans have gone to space and then Vulcans came, but they... Did they come? Yeah, they came and then we... Vulcans came when we developed warp, but it was the very slow warp of one, you know, that the freighters used. But it was still warp. Right. I don't know. Plot conveniency. Speaking of technology. Yeah. I know they do this for creative purposes, but I did find myself wondering how does the universal translator know when not to translate? Because at the end of this episode, Phlox greets Captain Archer with a local greeting, but we hear it in the native language. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Hoshi wasn't there, so maybe she wasn't operating the translator. (laughs) Hoshi just has to be constantly operating the translator. No, but like, if Phlox is the one saying it, maybe the translator is like, oh, he knows how to communicate, so if he's speaking another language, it would be for a reason. Maybe. Uh, I liked Flox this episode. We've seen more of him this episode than we did in previous episodes. He wasn't the main focus, but I enjoyed seeing more of him. Again, he's a very open-minded doctor. He likes to experience new races, new cultures. I like that about him. I'm wondering, will Archer eventually trust him with the temporal war information? I don't think he did at the end of this episode. I think at the end of the episode, Reed, Mayweather, Hoshi, and Flox don't know about what happened. 
Yeah, no, I think the only people that know are Paul and Trip by the end of this episode. I wonder how they explain Daniel's absence. I mean, <laughs> wasn't he a red shirt, technically? I suppose so, yeah. I did, like, halfway through the episode, I copped, well, this guy isn't sticking around because he's not in any of the promos for the show. <laughs> like, I've never <laughs> seen this guy before in posters or in thumbnails. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a goner. <laughs> yeah, so... There have been problems in engineering, and then Daniels is dead, so we can only assume that he perished. Yeah. Can we also just talk about the fact that Daniels ushers everyone out of the, the engineering room while he combats Silic? Silic kills Daniels, and Trip and Paul just walk away and go have a meeting with Archer. And it's like, Silic's still on the ship, or I don't know. Yeah, I. What what can they do though? I I don't know. I mean, I, I go in, try and shoot him, or you know, capture him. You say you're an introvert, but you are so willing to put yourself in danger. I I'm not an introvert, and I would let that man die. That's nothing to do with introvert or extrovert. No, it it definitely has. I would run away to my bedroom, and fuck the temporal war, <laughs> fuck the the guests. Bye. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be an engineer or a science officer on Starfleet. <laughs> these guys are. They're definitely extroverts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I am an extrovert, and I'd be like, fuck this guy. I don't know. It just feels weird to me that that scene ended with Daniels being exploded and them just, you know, let's go have a meeting to discuss this in Archer's room. Nah. Because this guy's from the future, so if he has to die, he has to die. R.I.P. He came to our ship... And he put us in danger with the other temporal traveler. You can both die. Oh, okay, wow. I'm not risking my life for you. I will help you up until it's my life is at risk. Silic has already sabotaged your ship, and now he's killed one of your colleagues. And you're just gonna let him let him live. I mean, Archer tried. Archer tried to go after. Yeah, no, Archer went after him, you know, after Paul and Trip had already walked away from him. Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is why they only had Daniels in for one episode, because if Daniels had been in every episode leading up to now, you'd be like, he just left him. You'd be on my side. (laughs) You'd be on my side. If that had been Mayweather that he had killed, just walked away. (laughs) I love Mayweather, and I don't know this guy. We just met him for the first time. Now who's biased? I never said I wasn't biased. I know, I know you never said it. I'm just pointing out your bias. Quite the opposite. I, I admit my biases constantly. I know you do. <laughs> and now I'm just acknowledging that this is one of them. Yeah. I'm just saying that if a time traveler showed up here, put my life at risk, and then died, I would not be the first person to try to save him. Because what are you doing? Go back to your time and stop putting my life at risk. Okay, I'm walking away. You Did it strike you as odd, either the first time or any of the other previous times you watched this, that T'Pol was so sceptical about time travel? No. I didn't say, wouldn't say it was completely out of character and not with the Vulcan Wade, but I thought she might have been more scientifically open to it. No, because she explains why she's sceptical is because the Vulcans have already tried and failed. They've studied the possibility of time travel and fail. So in her mind, scientifically, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, they're wrong. (laughs) 
I mean, it's that is very arrogant to be like, we're Vulcan. We're at peak scientific. Science can't go further. Sorry, if we can't do it now, we're never going to do it. Weren't you not aware that Vulcans are very arrogant? Yeah, it was. I didn't realize how far that extended. I just wanted on record that I do still suspect Vulcans are involved in the Temporal War. As okay. I said in our first episode, I believe that the shadowy figure giving orders to the Solibon, I believe that that is a Vulcan. Okay. That's my suspicion. I want that on record. Noted. I want my face to be on record. I do have a thing that I want to bring up. Oh. So, remember remember the episode where there was a hole in the hole? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we talked about how pressure works and how fast you would die. I know where we go with this. This was one of my notes. <laughs> um, the guy fully opens a shuttle pod door yeah. and yeah. <laughs> all air escapes, but nothing else happens. And yeah. Archer runs back to safety. And he's hyperventilating and trying to regain all the oxygen that he has lost. But that is not how pressure works. <laughs> okay, I want to go... There's several things I want to address in that scene. And I'm going to go through them in chronological order. Seeing that's okay. the theme on this podcast. Yeah. Um. So the guy opens the thing. And first of all, Scott Bakula is a very good actor. <laughs> Generally. <laughs> but... Uh, obviously, they can't have him pulled off the railing. So he, he has to do this really awkward climb over the railing, throw himself over the railing. <laughs> and I think he's probably in his 40s when they made this. He's not a fit young man. And it's very awkward. And it's very yes. funny. <laughs> and they've got the fan blowing his hair. <laughs> um, it's very funny. Yeah. Secondly, mm -hmm. the Sulaban Silic does something to stabilize. I thought he'd close the door because Archer's able to pull himself back on, but Silic jumps out of the ship. He jumps out through the airway into space. I don't know what he did, though, to stabilize the interior. So I know that in Discovery, mm. they have a plane hangar? Yeah. Where planes are stored is like a big space with a door and then the planes fly. So their shuttle pods and everything are like that. They have a big opening with a shield, like an energy yeah. field. Yeah, they have an energy shield to keep it pressurized. Yeah, but it's not a physical door. So it's an energy or something. Yeah. And that would have made sense if the air hadn't escaped. But it did. Because Archer wasn't breathing. No, it's literally like, you know, in various sci-fi shows, they put people in an airlock and yeah. open the airlock to kill them. That That is what happened. Yeah. And Archer's just fine. Yeah. There was also, I need you to explain to me, there was a bump in this episode. The ship got bumped or hit, I don't know if it was by a wave in the previous episode, when Archer and Silic are having the confrontation at the end, they get jolted. Yeah. Last week, you were giving out about this. Or no, two weeks ago, in Civilization, they got jolted by the explosion of the thing in space. Yeah, so the other time was a shockwave. Mm. And it don't make sense. Shockwaves don't exist in the vacuum of space. 
they can't. Okay. Was it a shockwave this week? I think it was a storm. Can storms exist in the Wagon Wheel? I guess. There are solar storms. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're right. It was a storm they were going around, yeah. A storm, basically, on Earth is two clouds collapsing and their electricity causes thunder or lightning. But in space, I suppose storms could be just any two clouds, gas clouds, collapsing as well. So I think they exist because it's just elements flying around. Like, oh, I'm a helium particle, molecule, molecule. And I just hit another molecule and it sparks. So it's a physical thing. It's not a shock wave. Again, if any scientists out there can help us out, I, in my personal opinion, I'm not offended by this episode's bump. Because it's not a sound bump. It's a physical bump. Okay. The other time was the afterwave of the sound or the explosion of a thing. But it's not like a storm. I don't know. But we are agreed that it's ridiculous that Archer survives that. Yes. He should have exploded. At least he should have suffered some kind of wound or his skin would have gotten very, very fucking cold. Something, something would have happened. It's not just air sucking out of a place. We're on to the little trivial things that I've, of my notes now. Little trivial section of my notes. Okay. Archer's tomato is huge. What? Did you notice this? For Archer's breakfast, when we first meet oh. Taylor, he's got a giant tomato on his plate. The biggest tomato I've ever seen. I had to go back and check it was a tomato. It's huge. They can make it in the ship. Yeah, I know. But They can make it the size they want. It was bigger than the eggs. The ratio of tomato to scrambled eggs, I think, was off. Maybe he likes tomatoes more. Maybe. I don't know. How did you feel, speaking of scrambled eggs, how did you feel about Daniels winning Archer's trust with the phrase, You like your scrambled eggs soft. Have I ever brought them to you any other way? I think that is a very good way. Is that a metaphor? I didn't go there. My head didn't go there. <laughs> what were you going to say? I, I was just going to joke. <laughs> oh, no, you want to say now. I was just going to joke, like, oh, no, I think that is a very good way of gaining a captain's trust. Just tell them how they like things. But it was a joke. It was silly. <laughs> really? I wasn't expecting you to say that if it, if it was a, a terrible way. Anybody, anybody can infiltrate a ship and just learn how the captain likes it. Oh, my God. I think it is a metaphor. I think some things happen in the captain's quarters. And yeah, I think that this is a a win for the gays. What things do you think are happening in the captain's quarters? (laughs) He likes his eggs soft. What does eggs represent in this metaphor analogy? (laughs) I feel like eggs is a very good metaphor for eggs. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You okay. were the one to bring it up. I didn't. Yeah, but bring... I, I, I wasn't going to suggest that eggs is a metaphor for eggs. <laughs> I mean, I watched it and I thought that would not make me trust you. That you know how I like my eggs. That's literally your job is to bring me my breakfast and know how I like my eggs. Yeah, but you are not Archer, and therefore, your I'm opinion is invalid. In fairness, we do know Archer is very trusting, constantly just Honestly, inviting people no. onto his ship. I have to cut you off. 
because oh. because we were just talking yesterday about how when I said Mr. Darcy <laughs> is going to be in Deadpool 3 that you knew Can't what Darcy I was referring me. to and I think that that means that there is a level of trust between us because we know each other so the guy knowing the captain's breakfast perfectly means they can trust each other. Okay. One, I can't believe you're using that against me. <laughs> Two, I have no idea how you like your eggs. I don't Does like that eggs. Mean you would trust me any less? <laughs> I don't like eggs. Well, that, there you go. There you go. Yeah, but, but you like, still... you know my Darcy. That yeah, is more we're important not talking to me about than Darcy's. eggs. Do you, I, do you think Taylor knows who Captain Archer's favorite Mr. Darcy is? I don't think so. Yeah, but, the, but that is not as important to him. You have to you have to put the things into perspective. This is, this, you, I think I said Taylor, I meant Daniel's. This is Daniel's job. Daniel's job is literally to know how Captain Archer likes his eggs. And your job as my best friend is to know which no, Darcy no, is my job. No, Darcy. that's not my job. No, I, you don't pay me. Do you pay me? If you want to start paying me, that's great. I, I'll take it. But... But this is his job. That's what he is paid to do. Right. Listen, no, I don't think that is a valid reason for Archer to trust him. I'm just trying to make fun of the situation because it's silly. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. We're and I'm trying page, to make so. fun of you in the in the process because you said that my brain you're just, is You're just less... being contrary. Just disagreeing with yeah, me. Yeah, that is me with you every single day of my life. Don't act surprised no. now that I'm contrary to you. <laughs> yes, I am. Proudly. I was just going to say... Try again. Annoying. I was just going to say, I like this episode. I've got a lot of questions. That's not a bad thing. I know they'll be answered, hopefully. Uh, I think it was a good episode in furthering the Temple War plot, which we had. I had just been talking about last week. So they timed that well. Yeah, so I enjoyed this episode. I'm sure we won't hear about this again until the season finale. The other plot that we need to get back to from this series is also the Andorian V Vulcans. I'm sure that will come up in the next few episodes, I'm hoping. Yeah. But yeah, I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about on this episode. Yeah, my opinions are the same. I like the episode. I like that we're learning more about a big thing that was introduced and then not touched again. And I also like that this episode is generic enough that we get a little bit of every character. Like, every character has their role. We see Tapal, we see Trip, we see Flocks, we see Mayweather, Hoshi, and Reed have their little moments Mm-hmm. Because the the Enterprise is where the action happens, but they're not the protagonist of this episode. Yeah. Daniels and Silic are. So, very interesting episode. Not any enlightening, because as you said, you have more questions than you had before. But I think they are setting up the plot, and I don't think that these questions can be asked in just one episode alone. Obviously, it's a big thing. It's a, it's a war and it's a temporal war. So you don't want the episode to just be one episode because it wouldn't be done correctly. 
So yeah, I agree with you. I like this episode and I cannot wait to remember more about the war. Yeah, just because I agree with you that you were saying we got a moment for all the characters, which was nice. I also liked that the Temple War, it was obviously the main plotline of the episode, but it wasn't the only plotline. We did get the other plotline with the aliens, which I like. They're still continuing the mission. I actually yeah. thought they were going to do more to tie in to that plotline because Paul has a line when Archer first comes to her about the temporal war and time travel. There's a difference between keeping an open mind and believing something because you want it to be true. And when she first said that, I really thought they were going to tie that in to the religious aspect of the episode because Star Trek has done this. You haven't seen the series I'm referring to, but it has melded religion and science fiction before in really interesting ways and i thought that they were going to do more to tie that into these pilgrims who were going to watch this star plume that they believed represented the creation of life but no they didn't are you disappointed i think a, a bit like it was it was such an obvious thing yeah i felt like it was an obvious tie-in that you literally have these people on your ship who believe in something because they want it to be true. Yeah. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. I I just don't like religion. So I don't like it being mixed with science fiction. I, I don't want to spoil the future show for you. But yeah, I think it does a really interesting job of discussing or raising the topic of how science can sometimes explain what had previously been perceived as religious phenomena we'll have to see just give us a couple of years yeah more than a couple <laughs> <laughs> because it's not the next generation and it's not the original series so it's gonna be 10 years do you have anything else to add do you want, <laughs> do you want to ask me again when you're not yawning <laughs> do you have anything else to add no <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, we probably were not laughing. It's going to sound really weird. I'm just going to read the outro. I mean, you can cut this up. Um, so I think that was the whole episode. I think we talked about everything that we wanted to discuss. So thank you for joining us on this week's episode. Hope Wait. you enjoyed. I hate you. <laughs> what? This is totally going to be worth it. This is totally going to be worth it. You're, what? This Just is really pedantic. It. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. <laughs> so when Archer is telling the aliens how how long they've been traveling, yeah, he says, "Yeah, they've been traveling for four months, three weeks, and six days." Just say five months. Because. <laughs> Just say five months. <laughs> well, six days is one day short of a week. Round it up. You've got four weeks. And four weeks is just a month. So just say five months. Why not just say five months? Why do you have to be so specific? Yeah, but there's, there's one day less. So it's not five months. So can I please do my outro? <laughs> you got my perfect outro for that. When I yeah. asked you three times if you had anything else to add. Also, yeah, I... do you have anything else to add? 
Nope. Not this time. <laughs> okay. So that is it for this episode. I don't think we have anything else to discuss. We went far and beyond <laughs> with this episode. Uh, so thank you for joining us and I hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week with the episode Silent Enemy. If you want to contact us about anything regarding this episode or any past episodes or future episodes for that matter, our email is podmeupscotty at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at podmeupscotty. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Scotty, come in. Ready to be my... Maybe the other time I was wrong and it just my my little brain doesn't comprehend how vacuum works, which is a thing that could happen. Yeah, because it is a female brain. I'm editing that out. <laughs> wow. You keep that in. You keep that in. That came straight from the heart. <laughs>